Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Thursday morning, August the 26th, 2021, 7.02 on this beautiful day. And you're listening here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson, which is Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. And plenty of sports to talk about today. We're going to talk a lot of baseball today, actually, uh, as uh, some very interesting things, some some crazy and wacky things happening overnight in Major League Baseball. We have uh, a, a superstar-looking human allowing another team to get their first win in what seems to be two months, it felt like, since the Baltimore Orioles last won a baseball game. And uh, lots of other things to get into in regards to baseball as well. Also, some college baseball news. Yeah, I know, not really the season for college baseball, but the Pac-12 made it so yesterday with an announcement that we'll get into here very, very shortly. The commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, the AAC, a guy by the name of Mike Oresco, you may have heard of him before, made a statement yesterday claiming that even though he doesn't know what the alliance is, he wants to be part of it. <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll discuss that as well. Plus, we have some uh, news and notes regarding Arizona football. Uh, a huge, huge dollar amount pledged to women's sports in America by a beer company. Some college football news and notes as the uh, week zero begins this Saturday. College football going to be live. So excited. And lots of NFL news as well because we do talk NFL here every single day on the Jeff Dean Show. But we begin with a Pac-12 baseball announcement. Yeah, not really the season for Pac-12 baseball or any kind of collegiate baseball for that matter, but the Pac-12 made an announcement yesterday as George Klyavkov came out with a uh, with a news release stating the, the creation of the 2022 Pac-12 baseball tournament. It is the inaugural version of the Pac-12 baseball tournament, a, uh, a league that has not had a tournament previously, obviously, um, as other leagues have. So uh, the Pac-12 thought it was necessary to, like, let's, you know, let's go ahead and get with the Joneses on this. Let's create a, a uh, Pac-12 baseball tournament. Got to find somewhere to put it. So naturally they chose Scottsdale, Arizona, in the, uh, the middle of the heat wave that is going to be the end of May. Now the, the, the first-ever baseball tournament is going to take place at Scottsdale Stadium, a beautiful stadium, very familiar with that stadium, of course. Uh, I've worked there, worked there last year with the Giants, and it's been the Giants' spring training home for a long time, two decades. Uh, and uh, it's a beautiful place. It's a great place to play baseball. It's going to take place between May 25th and May 29th when the average temperature in Scottsdale is about 107 degrees. It is going to be hot. Now, I've announced games at Scottsdale Stadium in March where it's hot. Like, we're all sweating in the booth and – you know, it's it's getting warm. People are fanning themselves in the in the stands. Two months later, yeah, going to be real hot up there. Um, now, this is a three-year deal for the venue for the Pac-12 baseball tournament. Uh, look, this is these are all good things. I, I'm very happy that this is happening, and I, I'm glad that it's going to be happening right here in the state of Arizona in Scottsdale. It's going to be uh, a great venue and a great way for – more eyeballs to get onto the onto the sport specifically with the Pac-12 teams. Now, the way that it's going to work 
is the top eight teams in the conference. Now, it's, it's a conference of 11 baseball teams. It's pack 11 as far as baseball goes because Colorado doesn't participate in baseball. So it's going to be the top eight regular season finishers. So three teams would not be invited, essentially, to the Pac-12 baseball tournament. It's going to be a double elimination format for the uh, for the tournament, just like every other conference baseball tournament that is out there today. So it's uh, it's going to be a good chance for those teams. You know, I mean, last year the Pac-12 sent the most teams to college postseason in the history of the conference, six teams. So this is an opportunity as the Pac-12 continues to get deeper in baseball. It's not just a uh, basically like a, like a three or four team power where previously it was basically over the years it was Arizona, Arizona State, and USC. Those were the three powers in baseball for a long, long time here in the Pac-10, Pac-8, you know, all the way going back to uh, to just you know, teams playing here on the West Coast. Now other schools. Oregon has obviously risen. Oregon State has uh, won some championships. Stanford has got a very good baseball program. UCLA has got a great baseball program. So there's a lot of good baseball being played here in the Pac-12. And uh, the, the, the conference tournament allows more teams to possibly get involved in the postseason. It can, you know, like if a, uh, if a fringe team or a bubble team, so to speak, if they can go out and win that tournament, get the auto bid, then, you know, that's just going to be an increased chance for more Pac-12 teams to get into the tournament. Just the same way as the basketball tournament works, it's the same for baseball. So this is a good thing. Um, I mentioned Stanford. Their coach, David Esker, uh, said it's a meaningful way to showcase Pac-12 baseball at an important time of the year. And it is because you need to increase eyeball. Baseball, college baseball is a a tough sport to be able to watch if you're on the East Coast. This is going to give... East Coasters, people that have influence over the sport of baseball, college baseball, an opportunity to look at Pac-12 baseball teams. And, uh, you know, for purposes of seeding and whatnot, I think it's important for more people to be able to watch the sport. And, you know, I mean, for recruiting opportunities as well. I mean, it's it's all going to help. As I mentioned, the Pac-12 sent six teams to the tournament uh, last year. I guess that was it wasn't the most. It's the, the second most in the conference's history. Um, and interestingly enough, three of those six teams hosted regionals. Of course, Arizona hosted their regional and advanced to the uh, to the World Series. Arizona, as it pertains to Arizona, n- now looking at uh, as far as getting to the tournament, again, the bottom three teams don't make it. So basically, you know, Arizona is going to be a, a school that is, uh, you know, a team that is going to be there every year. They would have qualified each of the last you know, however many seasons or whatever it was. Uh, even through all the coaching changes they went through. And with another coaching change this year, of course, with Chip Hale entering his first season as head coach of the Wildcats. And uh, excited for baseball season. We'll definitely talk about that. It's, I mean, it's not going to be for another several months away, but uh, we will definitely be talking some baseball and uh, do love me some college baseball. I get a chance to, to get out there and announce some games every now and then to Tucson when uh, when the regular PA announcer is is unable to or he's got other duties on campus. Uh, I get out there and I'm able to call some games at uh, good old High C at the Juice Box. There, great venue. It's a beautiful. They've done a beautiful job, kind of renovating that, and uh, the Terry and Francona Hitting Center and all that stuff. It's a great place to watch a baseball game, and excited for that. So, looking forward to the Pac-12 baseball tournament. I think it's a great thing. It's a great addition. It's good to you know finally measure up to the rest of the conferences who are already doing these types of tournaments. So, all good things for the Pac-12 in uh, in regards to that. Thankful to see that. Again, it's going to be in Scottsdale for the next three years at the end of May. 
which is ridiculously hot, but uh, we'll manage, I guess. We'll figure it out. Play morning and day, or morning and night games. It's, the situation, the way Scottsdale Stadium is situated, it, it it's kind of on a like on a on a diagonal. It kind of faces a northeast. It's like from home plate looking out to center field. It's like a northeast view. So there is quite a bit of shade in the like in the stands, even in the afternoons. So it's not too terrible. The, the morning times can be a little brutal, but uh, in the afternoons, the shade the sun starts to go back around. Uh, the shade starts to hit the the stands, and it's actually not too too terrible. The left field, uh, third baseline is is hammered, but uh, but it's usually not too bad there. So great venue, great opportunity for the Pac-12 schools to get more eyeballs, to get noticed more. So always a good thing when you're uh, progressing that way. Looking at Major League Baseball last night in a game that seemingly just ended a few hours ago. A wild 16-inning game, which is the longest game of what they're calling the pandemic era in Major League Baseball. I hope that one doesn't stick. Right now they're calling it the pandemic era. The longest game of the pandemic era, 16 innings in San Diego last night as the Dodgers finally outlast the San Diego Padres off a two-run homer by A.J. Pollock to go ahead uh, and let off the, um, uh, the you know get the, uh, the 16th inning going with a two-run dinger. And uh, the Dodgers beat the Padres 5-3, to a game that lasted until, like, 1 o'clock in the morning, five hours and 49 minutes for that baseball game. There are 52 players on the current rosters for these two teams. They played 46 of those 52 players. Padres ran out of pitchers uh, last night. They, uh, they, carry, they only carry nine pitchers on their, uh, on their current roster. So they ran out of pitchers last night. Dodgers almost ran out of pitchers. They had one guy left. And uh, it's just a kind of, a, you know, one of those wild games. And I think, you know, like one of the most interesting things about this game is just how dominant the pitching was in this particular game. I mean, the Padres went without a hit for 10 innings, 10 consecutive innings. They didn't get a hit. The fifth through the 14th innings, they didn't, <laughs> didn't get anybody on base by a hit. Now, the Dodgers walked about a million people that allowed the game to uh, drag on. I think the, I think the Dodgers... I think the stat was they they had eight intentional walks in the game, which is the most in a in a baseball game since like the 1950s. <laughs> which and I can't imagine why in the 1950s anybody would be giving up that many intentional walks. It just it wasn't part of the game back then. So yeah, crazy night in uh, in San Diego last night, and these are two teams going in completely opposite directions right now. The Dodgers are white hot, right on the heels of the San Francisco Giants, who continue to win. They beat the Mets last night, three to two. The Dodgers and the Giants have the league's two best records. Both these teams own the two best records in Major League Baseball, which is isn't that always the case? Like it always seems that way. Like the National League West has had this problem several times. I can remember at least three times where you're looking at the standings and. Two of the three best records in baseball both belong to NL West teams. And I think that's indicative not only of just how good the National League West has been for a long time, and I know it used to be called the National League Worst because for a while it was the National League Worst. But it also is is indicative of just how bad the bottom feeders are in this league. Colorado had some talent, you know, for the last couple of years. They continued to move that talent out of of Denver at the behest of their, their fans. And the Diamondbacks, we all know what they're kind of going through right now. Things are not well up in Phoenix. Uh, 
So, yeah, San Diego went hitless for 10 straight innings. Fernando Tatis finally hit a home run, hit a home run, a two-run homer in the 15th to break the no-hit streak that they had been on for 10 innings. And uh, But it wasn't enough as A.J. Pollock led off the 16th with a two-run homer to essentially go ahead and uh, and win that game. The, the, the home run that was hit by Tatis, who was 0 for 6 leading into that at bat, was the first extra base hit of the game for the Padres. So, yeah, wild game last night in San Diego. Also in Los Angeles last night, the Baltimore Orioles taking on the Angels, and uh, the Orioles walked in there with a 19-game losing streak, and things were not looking good as they were to face Shohei Otani, the superstar that is Shohei Otani, the the mega. He's an alien. Let's just call it like it is, folks. He's an alien. There, He's not. He, he can't be human. The things that he does. You can't be the best pitcher on your team, the best hitter on your team, and the fastest player on your team at the same time. You just can't. That, that's not possible. But he is. And he actually looked human last night. He looked like he was actually born uh, on planet Earth. Gave up three home runs for the first time this season. Also went 0 for 4 at the plate with three strikeouts, just narrowly avoiding the old golden sombrero. Gave up a home run on the first pitch of the game. And all that being said, still had the lead when he left at the top of the six. He played, uh, pitched five innings and continued to play the rest of the game uh, as the designated hitter. But, uh, yeah, left with the lead. They were up 6-4 and weren't able to hold on to that. And Orioles snapped their 19-game losing streak against a, uh, a now-human-looking Shohei Otani. And I just that just makes me feel bad for the next team that has to face him because uh, he's a competitor. And he's going to come out and he's going to want to – Get that, uh, get that loss and get that bad performance out of memory real, real quick. So I feel bad for the next team that uh, that plays the Angels with Otani on the mound, and they just he's going to be an animal out there. So good luck, good luck to you guys. So that's you know Major League Baseball basically in a in a nutshell. The you know the the Yankees continue to uh, impress people, you know, and it's it, it, I don't know if it, if this was something that was waiting to happen or. If, you know, the, the lineup has been bad all season long. They're now starting to hit the ball. Um, but you know, they've won 10 in a row or 11 in a row it is now, I think. And they're starting to separate themselves from, from there. But the, the Tampa Bay Rays continue to win, too. They've won eight of their last 10. Very interesting races in baseball. It's, it's compelling. The only one that's not really compelling is the, well, the, both central races are pretty much over. Both central races are over. Um, and then, you know, we'll just be looking for kind of like what the wild card is going to look like. Now, San Diego's still still in it for the wild card. Um, you know, they're not uh, they're not completely dead. They're a game behind the Reds for that second wild card spot. The Dodgers have that wild card spot locked up. Wh- whichever team ends up losing the West has got the locked up uh, wild card, of course, whether it be the Giants or the Dodgers. Whomever wins the, wins the division, the non-winner will be the, the team with the top. And then right now, the Reds are that team with the other wild card spot. San Diego Padres, a game behind them. The St. Louis Cardinals, three and a half behind the Reds. And the Phillies and the Mets, both five and seven games back, respectively. So uh, those teams have some have some work to do. The Mets are in big trouble. They have they just continue to lose games. Uh, lost again, like I said, to the Giants last night, three to two. Chris Bryant hits another home run for the Giants, and he has been a real spark to the offense for uh, for San Francisco. And they've needed it. They've got some guys got to the uh, sent to the to the DL. Um, I know that uh, Kevin Gossman, their starting pitcher, 
went uh, on the injured list. Buster Posey got pulled from the game the other night with a sore knee. So uh, Giants are a little, getting a little banged up right now, but they continue to win and feast off of some of these bad teams in the National League. So uh, we'll have some more baseball updates for you, obviously, as the, uh, as the days and the weeks continue as we head down to the final week of the pennant race in what is this season's Major League Baseball year. So uh, excited for that. L- looking forward to the playoffs this year, as we always do. And uh, going to be a good season, going to be a p- good postseason. I still don't know who's going to win the World Series. I mean, I know who the favorite is, but eh, yeah, it's, it's sometimes, sometimes weird things happen in baseball. And uh, those teams that, that get their one final shot at a win end up kind of taking it all. So we'll see what happens. Speaking of, uh, of that, Arizona is about to get even hotter because you're going to get a chance to start doing some, uh, some fan duel betting coming real soon. FanDuel Daily Fantasy Sports and FanDuel Sportsbook on their way. The, fa- the Daily Fantasy contests on FanDuel start this Saturday, just a couple days away, August 28th, when they go live. They're easy to enter. 100% secure and a whole lot of fun. You can go head-to-head against thousands of fans for every major U.S. sport and get some real cash prizes. Uh, you know, my, my buddies are in, you know, in, other, in other states and things like that that I've talked to. Tennessee, mainly the guys that, that I talk to that are super into this kind of stuff. Um, they want to get a private league going for this year's NFL season, and you can do that on FanDuel. You can compete for weekly and season-long cash prizes but it's in the privacy of, an, of your own group with your buddies. You can pick a new team every week, so there's none of this like, oh, you know, so-and-so approved a trade that was crooked and, no, you know, nobody in their right mind would have made that trade. Uh, if you get a season-ending injury to one of your top players and you can't redraft or you just you couldn't make the, the draft, you had to auto-draft, you got a crappy lineup, you just redraft a new team every week, and then it compiles your, your plays from there. So, you can pick the best of the best from every week. You can play those matchups when you pay attention to who teams are playing against, what defense is going to give up the most passing touchdowns or rushing yards. You can, uh, you can work all of that in to your strategy, and you don't have to do it publicly. You can do it privately. We form your own group with your buddies and, uh, and play that way. FanDuel is America's number one sports book. It's coming soon, September 9th, of course. It goes live here at Arizona. The best betting lines, lots of promotions, new and existing customers get, get perks to that. Uh, they get fast payouts and a safe, secure, easy-to-use app. I'm on the app almost daily right now, and I can't even do anything on it. It, it won't let me, but I just I like to go around, like kind of go fishing through there. There's lots of information to be had, and uh, just kind of set myself up, getting ready for when it goes live on September 9th. Visit FanDuel.com slash Arizona today to learn more. That's FanDuel.com slash Arizona. Agent location restrictions apply. Void were prohibited. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable site credit that expires seven days after receipt. See FanDuel.com for terms and conditions. When we return, Mike Oresco, the AAC commissioner, says, I don't know what the alliance is, but I want to be a part of it. We'll talk about that next. You're listening here to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. ESPN. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here with you 7 to 9 every weekday. Check out NFL Cover 2, covering all the latest NFL news. You can find it every weekday here on the afternoons with Spears and Ali every weekday on ESPN Tucson from 3 to 6 p.m. And it's brought to you by Barrio Brewing Company. Barrio Brewing Company, Arizona's oldest brewery, celebrating 30 years of brewing for Arizona. 
and can't wait to get back to Tucson so that I can get to Barrio Brewery and get me some uh, some delicious food and, of course, some delicious beer that they offer there as uh, they do every single night. And a great atmosphere. I love being there and a great place close to campus and uh, super cool. So looking forward to that. Mike Oresco is the commissioner of the AAC, the American Athletic Conference. They, you know, they have some they have some good football teams, and they've had some for quite some time. And he's like he's done a good job as the commissioner, and he's got some experience in this. He's a more experienced guy, and we'll kind of get into some of the experience that he's had uh, in just a moment. And when I explain kind of why he's wanting to jump in but being cautious at the same time, the AAC currently features teams like Cincinnati, and this is just for football, okay. Uh, basketball. I mean, there's some there's some basketball talent here as well, like Memphis and such like that. Uh, but Cincinnati, Central Florida, Houston, SMU. Of course, you got the Dallas market. Uh, Memphis is is a pretty good football program. Tulsa is going to be pretty good. They got Navy, uh, but they also have other properties like Tulane and South Florida and Temple and East Carolina. Not every. Not every conference is a home run. Not everyone has a winner. I mean, hell, the the SEC marches out a bunch of garbage every year and parades it around as SEC greatness when they're not just really not good football teams. Uh, you can see that plainly. But Mike Oresco said he had a press conference yesterday, and you know Tuesday's announcement of the alliance between the Big Ten, Pac-12, and ACC. There's been a lot of reaction. I know yesterday and last night when I was out, you know, working my working my other job last night the most common question that I got from people and I was asked this several times from people like what do you think of the new alliance what do you think of the new alliance I mean that's that's what people are talking about and that's what the commissioners of those three conferences wanted people doing they want people talking they want those conferences Big Ten Pac-12 ACC they want it on people's tongues right now they want people discussing and and contemplating and they want the fans discussing who's going to be scheduled I mean that that's what I predicted it right Tuesday morning, I was like, they're, they're going to make this announcement. They're going to make scheduling the big key, but we all know that it's not about scheduling. It's about a whole lot of other things that I laid out for you. If you want to check it out, the podcast is up on uh, ESPNTucson.com or anywhere you get your podcasts as well for the Jeff Dean Show. Check it out on Tuesday. Uh, it was Tuesday's broadcast where I laid out everything financially that they're going to be looking for and why they're positioning them, themselves this way. So fans are talking about it. People are talking about scheduling. I talked with group of Arizona State fans last night that were talking about, you know, who the potential schedules, you know, could be. And, you know, again, they're talking about like, oh, you know, maybe we'll get to play, you know, uh, Michigan and Ohio State. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what the goal is. I think, you know, they want the, you know, the the teams to be elevated to play one another. And you want to see the big marquee matchups in the playoff. I digress. We're going to talk about Mike Oresco. Sorry, I get going on this. So Mike Oresco told The Athletic yesterday, it shouldn't be a press conference, he was interviewed by The Athletic yesterday. He said, quote, the alliance, there's not much I want to say about it because I don't know what it is at this point. It's hard to tell what it is, but I can tell you this, this is exactly the kind of thing where we're not involved that we should be. This is what has been wrong with governance for quite some time, that a conference like ours is not involved in that kind of thing. Now, then he kind of goes on, he kind of backpedals a little bit, and because he, he didn't want to just basically come out and say, we want to be a part of the alliance. But that's basically what he's saying. And he backpedaled a little bit. He says, you, you know, basically, like, nobody likes to be left out of these things. And even though there's question marks, I don't know what 
the new alliance involves, but it sure would be nice to be in the room to have those discussions because we want to be one of the Power Six conferences, not, you know, and when they, when they add on from the Power Five, we want to be the P6, all, you know, all those things, right? So he's, he's, he's talking about all these things. Now, he comes from a position of, I've been there before, been there, done that, uh, don't want to do that again. Do not want to see the sequel, do not want to buy the T-shirt, you know, none of that stuff. Because Mike Oresco, if you're not familiar with him, and, and we'll familiarize you a little more with him because he does have quite a history specifically when dealing with what we're talking about here uh, with the Alliance. He was the commissioner of the Big East when it was picked clean to the bone and left for dead and eventually dissolved. He had only been at the Big East for a year. And, look, the Sharks noticed that there was blood in the water. There was a newbie at the helm who had never done this before, much like George Klyovkov did. He left television network executive, uh, an executive position in television networks to head up the Big East Conference. And within a year, everybody poached the Big East, picked it clean to the bone, and he was left there standing with just a ruin of a conference that was left over with nothing left to field, and then eventually the Big East completely folded. They shut their doors in 2013, and that was it. Mike Oresco was the commissioner of the Big East when that happened. Mike Oresco is also a guy who at a very young age, um, he's probably, you know, I'm sure he's got a law degree, you know, from some wonderful university, uh, at a very young age, basically started constructing ESPN to the way it is today. I mean, he was a guy that was responsible in acquisitions at ESPN to buy up properties to allow ESPN to become the power that it is today. And I'm not talking about just like 10 years ago or just before he got to the Big East. Folks, he was doing this in the 80s. Like, Mike Oresco has been a name in the world of sports television for a long time. He, he's a guy who's been around. He knows how these deals work. Again, much like George Klyavkov is now with the Pac-12, he was in acquisitions in Las Vegas for a long time, big, big-time media deals for that realm. Okay, Mike Oresco worked for ESPN for a long, long time and made ESPN a lot of money over that time as well, which is why he's in this position that he is right now. He wants to see the expansion of the, of the college football playoff happen sooner than later. Obviously he does because they want teams from the AAC to be involved in the playoff. We know that Cincinnati is going to be very good this year. In fact, I named them as one of my top teams this year that has a shot at getting to the CFP for the first time in school history. They're one of my five teams that I think have the best chance to, to break that model. He's got some good football programs there. There's a chance to make a lot of money if they can get in the CFP and get in those big bowl games. But you have to expand because a group of five team has never made it into the CFP. So the sooner they expand to the 12-team format, the better for a guy like Mike Oresco at the, uh, at the AAC. More teams, you know, Cincinnati would have been in if it was a 12-team field last year. So it's important for him. Also, I still think he probably has some allegiances to, to ESPN. He's probably got a lot of pride. He spent two decades there building them into the, the superpower that they are today. He must feel some sense of responsibility for what they've done. So he's in favor of the SEC and ESPN continuing to dominate the market because, number one, he needs that 
he needs that CFP to expand in 2023, not 2026, when the Alliance is trying to position it to open. Now, the Alliance has a little bit of, a, of an uphill battle to deal with because they're going to be dealing with other conference commissioners who also want CFP expansion sooner than later because there are other guys out there, okay, Mountain West Conference, the MAC, na- you name it, okay, commissioners of, of those conferences that are saying, hey, we want our shot too. What if we get lightning in a bottle and Boise State goes 12-0 and 0, uh, in a season? They, they upset, you know, they get, a, they get a preseason matchup against a top 15 team. We get a preseason ranking in the top 20 and catch lightning in a bottle, go 12-0, and 0, and we're a team that would qualify for a 12-team playoff, but we don't get there because it's only four teams, okay? So that commissioner, you know, his, his you know, feeling would be let's, let's expand sooner than later because that's going to give us three extra seasons to possibly qualify, which is more money and yada, 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 okay? So the Alliance has this uphill battle right now of trying to block the SEC and ESPN from having this monopoly over the college football landscape of television, as far as television goes, television revenue and CFP dollars. And they have to try to get the other commissioners at these, at the non-Power 5 conferences to say, look, just wait, trust us, just wait. You, you gotta, if, if we create an open market where there's, bid, there's a bidding war going on, the prices will go up. If there's no bidding war... ESPN just gets to you know name their number and that's it. And it's not like these other these other uh, networks don't have any money to spend. They want to spend money, especially if the product is good. If they can get Rose Bowl games and Fiesta Bowl games and uh, Sugar Bowls and get these college football playoff games in in 2026 through 2040 or whatever the deal is, they're going to try to you know bid over one another. And if ESPN ends up winning the bid, then so be it. But it's going to be for a hell of a lot more than what they're willing to pay out when nobody's bidding against them. Because that's how it works. It's real simple. Economics. So Oresco, even though he was like, uh, I don't know what the alliance is, but I'd kind of like to be a part of it. He wants to be in the room. He wants a vote. I get it. Everybody wants a vote. And hopefully everybody does get a vote. And hopefully that vote is to allow the CFP's expansion to slow down, slow your roll. Let's not try to rush this thing. Let's open it up in 2026 when we have an open market, when new deals are in place, so that everybody can get a piece of the pie, not just one company, one conference getting it all. Speaking of getting it all, you could get a spot on the air every single week on the Spears and Ali show if you're the winner of the Star is Born on ESPN Tucson contest brought to you by Tucson Appliance. We're looking for the next big radio star. It could be you. Now, you've only got a couple days left, in fact, actually like one day left, to submit your video. It needs to be 60 seconds or less. Submit it to ESPNTucson.com, and the grand prize winner will be a weekly phone guest on a segment of Spears and Ali. You could even get your video played on the Spears and Ali show. Now, the voting starts tomorrow. Okay, I'd like to be in the room, much like Mike Oresco. I'd like to be in the room for that voting. So you're going to be going up against, uh, you know, some some pretty some pretty stiff judging. So bring your best. A star is born on ESPN Tucson, brought to you by Tucson Appliance, only at Tucson Appliance, where our low prices are your priority. More after this, you're listening to the Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show. 
here with you on this Thursday morning. Not a whole lot going on in the in the city of Tucson as far as it pertains to Arizona football, Arizona basketball. We're just kind of in a waiting period right now. As I mentioned, you know, Arizona football has gone behind the curtain until they open up to the world on September 4th, and uh, we get to see what a, a, a whatever, I guess, the finished product is for week number one. Now, the only news and notes that I do have regarding Arizona football is that their opponent on September 4th, the BYU Cougars, uh, their opponent on September 4th in Las Vegas, they named their starting quarterback yesterday, and it was not a name that a lot of people were expecting to hear. Many people, I think, were expecting to hear Jacob Conover, the highly touted freshman that came in. He's actually going to be QB3 in Kalani Sataki's system this year for, uh, for the Cougars. The starting quarterback is going to be Jaron Hall. He's a sophomore. Uh, Jaron Hall is, and I think in, in 2019, I think it was, I think it was him, because he's been there a while. He's only a sophomore, but he's, he's he's still got like four, like three years of eligibility or something like that. He's in his fourth year at BYU anyway, because he red, he redshirted. There was a, se- a, a surgery season and then a hip injury and some other stuff. Anyway, he's the first African American to start a, at quarterback in the history of BYU. And he's going to be getting the start in week number one, uh, September 4th. Uh, basically, uh, in camp, he was able to make the most explosive plays, had the fewest amount of turnovers. I, I guess from what I gathered, it was kind of a no-brainer once they saw how, you know, how they played and how they, uh, how they matched up against one another in camp. And, again, you know, he's a, he's a sophomore, but he's got four years of experience at, at BYU. He started a game in 2019. That's when he became the first African-American to start at quarterback for, uh, for BYU. Um, now, his dad, K- uh, Kalen, he played at BYU. And KJ, who you might, uh, you might remember, uh, KJ Hall, he was a uh, running back for the Cougars recently. So um, he's going to bring some athleticism and some grit, and he looks like a, a pretty seasoned player, actually, for a sophomore. So uh, that's going to be a test. I was – I'm not going to lie. I was kind of hoping that a, a true freshman was going to be starting at cornerback for BYU in that game. Maybe Don Brown would rattle him a little bit, but it looks like they're going to go with a more experienced hand and a guy who's got uh, at least one start in college football under his belt and several years of experience at BYU. So that's who the uh, starting quarterback will be, Jaron Hall. The uh, QB2 will be Baylor Romney, also a sophomore. And then uh, Jacob Conover, the highly touted freshman, will be QB3 on, uh, on that Saturday night. Now, that's week one of college football. But there's a week zero in college football that they've, uh, they started doing, I think it was like eight or nine years ago, they started this week zero nonsense. There's a few games that are, that are coming up uh, this weekend. Super excited for college football to go live. There's a conference game this weekend. Nebraska plays at Illinois. Nebraska, a seven-point favorite, opening up on the road at the Fighting Illini. And uh, so we got a conference game, a Big Ten conference game going on. UConn traveling all the way across the world, seemingly, to take on Fresno State. Fresno State is a 27-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. That sounds about right. UConn's not going to be very good. They're one of the worst teams in college football this year. Hawaii coming across to the mainland, and they're going to play a Pac-12 team. They're going to be in Pasadena taking on the Bruins of UCLA. UCLA opens up as an 18-point favorite in that game over uh, over Hawaii. UTEP is going to be playing, I think, 
what many people consider to be the worst team in college football this year, which is New Mexico State, UTEP. UTEP is a 10-point favorite on the road. That tells you how bad New Mexico State is. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just leave it at that. And then in an interesting, I shouldn't say an interesting matchup, but uh, a team that is going to be interesting for Wildcat fans to watch this year, San Jose State is going to be opening their season at home against FCS uh, program Southern Utah. As Brent Brennan, who was the the fan favorite to uh, to take the uh, take the job here at Arizona in the offseason after the firing of Kevin Sumlin, his Spartans are open up as uh, twenty three and a half point favorites, taking on Southern Utah as they open up the season in Week Zero, and uh, the the uh, uh, the fans I think Arizona fans I believe are going to probably they're going to want to watch what happens with Brent Brennan and San Jose this year. Obviously, there's going to be that intrigue. Like, well, what would happen if we had Brent Brennan? First of all, you can't compare the two. They're two totally different programs. You can't compare what Brent Brennan does this year at San Jose State compared to what Jed Fish does this year at Arizona. It's just it's a, it's an unfair comparison. They play completely different schedules. They have completely different rosters. Brent Brennan isn't bringing an entirely new staff for the first time this year, uh, bringing you know a bunch of moving pieces together. He's not trying to rebuild the culture at San Jose State. He's just there to to play football and win some football games, okay? So Brent Brennan is going to have a successful season. In fact, uh, there are, you know, there are several, you know, several people who believe that, um, that uh, San Jose State has a good chance at, uh, at winning their conference this year. So I don't want, <laughs> I don't want fans to be like, uh, well, we should have hired Brent Brennan or whatever. If you, I mean, if you still feel that way, that's fine, but don't use just what this year's comparison is based on uh you know based on record or, or whatever if you still feel like brent brennan was the right choice then that's that's your opinion and that's totally fine you're obviously entitled to that but san jose state playing in a really talented mountain west this year uh boise state is going to be really good nevada has got a an nfl caliber quarterback once again they keep getting they keep getting nfl caliber quarterbacks in reno i can't figure it out how that's happening um wyoming is going to be good this year San Diego State, I know at least two media members that picked San Diego State to win the Mountain West outright. Fresno State's good. Uh, that's, that's a good conference this year uh, is the Mountain West. And it, it, look, it's, it's a good conference every year. Uh, it's been top-heavy for the most part. Uh, I think Boise State has won. They've won the conference, what is it, 13 of the last 17 seasons, something like that, some ridiculous number. So Boise State has dominated that conference, but it doesn't mean that uh, – that other teams can't come up. Nevada's got a really good squad again this year. Like I said, they they got a great squad. San Jose State is going to be really good. Uh, San Diego State, Wyoming. Yeah, so keep an eye on that. And I know Wildcat fans will want to keep an eye on what San Jose State is doing as they open up against Southern Utah this Saturday. So some uh, some zero week zero games, a conference game. I just I why does the Big Ten do this? Nebraska at Illinois. Okay, whatever. Uh, again, this is like a situation where. Nebraska, we talked about their problems with Scott Frost and having practices during COVID shutdown time. Illinois is awful. Um, You know, kind of a weird matchup for for week number one as far as fan intrigue goes. I'm also going to be watching because it's college football, and I've been jonesing for some for a long time. And uh, we're going to get our shot here in another uh, another week and two days. Super excited to get out to Vegas to watch the team play and uh, watch them maybe, you know, hopefully come away with a victory somehow, some way may be able to find a way to do it. And BYU's got the least experience returning of any team in the FBS this year, so it could be uh, a recipe for uh, for an upset win 
for the Wildcats, and, well, we certainly hope that's the case. Join Spears and Ali this Friday from 3 to 6 as they broadcast their show live to get you ready for the college football season. Main Gate Square, Main Gate Plaza, if you will, right next to uh, Saigon Foe or Fuh, if you're uh, being, you know, proper with the pronunciation of it. Right there at University and Tyndall is where they're going to be set up. You can join the Tucson community as we get ready for the University of Arizona football season and uh, preview all that stuff live from Main Gate Plaza right next to Saigon Fuh with the Spears and Ali show from 3 to 6 this Friday. Go check it out tomorrow. We'll be right back. More from the Jeff Dean Show right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. I got a pair of tickets to go see FC Tucson this Saturday night. I'm going to give those away at some point before we get out of here. An hour and five minutes from now, 65 minutes remaining in the show. And at some point in there, you'll be listening for your cue to call. And Medea will take your, uh, your phone calls. Medea filling in for, uh, for Mary today. And I did not know this, and I need to make an apology, a formal apology on the air, as I slammed the New Mexico State University football team for being, look, they're going to be the worst team in college football this year. They are putridly horrible. And I say that with the most due respect for, for, uh, for that football program, as our lovely Medea, who is filling in this week for, uh, for Mary, Mary's on vacation, and... Uh, Medea is keeping me on the air right now. I mean, at least I think she is. I might be just be talking to a wall right now. I have no idea. Maybe she has taken offense at her alma mater being slandered by me on the radio show this morning, and she decided not to push any of the buttons to put me on the air and is like, I'll fix his wagon. Talk about my alma mater. I had no idea that she went to New Mexico State University and had to sit through those horrible football games. (laughs) I'm sorry, Medea. I just, uh, you know. Look, the team is bad. We know they're going to be bad. It's uh, it's time to embrace that. Uh, she told me a story off the air. She's like, we have these cowbells that we ring during third down, and it doesn't matter whose third down it is, whether it's the home or the visiting team's third down. We're just happy that we made it to third down. <laughs> so the teams aren't scoring on first and second down of every play or of every drive. I get it. I get it. Look, I've been there. I've been I've – been, well, we all watched some really horrible football last year in Tucson. So uh, we're going to get out of that little mess, though, this year. Jet Fish, this program, these players, these coaches, going to look a lot better this year, I guarantee it. And it'll look better at the end of the year than it does at the first of the year. And that's that's what's the most important thing about this year you know, is, is the growth. You know, I, I actually discussed this on a on a podcast yesterday. I was, I was a guest on a podcast on, um, you know, my buddy's podcast, the one that I started many years ago. And we broke down the Wildcat season in, in blocks of four. Where do they get wins in the blocks of four? And I think I'm going to come back in the top of the hour and discuss that. Because when you look at the season as a whole, I think when Wildcat fans have looked at the season, they go, it's a 1-11 season. We're going to be favored in one game, and we're going to go 1-11 this year, and it's going to be a complete disaster. But when you start breaking it down into blocks of four, you kind of say, well, I, I mean, you know, you look at, you look at who the teams play the week before they play Arizona, and you say, well, maybe we can get two, three, win- four wins. I don't know. You start looking at those blocks of four, and they become, all of a sudden, some of the games become a little more winnable as opposed to just looking at college football. I think, I think it's the eighth most difficult schedule in college football. 
I still think it's one of the I mean, it's easily one of the most difficult schedules in college football because they're going to be they're going to be underdogs in every single game they play in FBS or the Division 1 this year. They're going to be underdogs most likely to San Diego State. They're an 11-point underdog to BYU. Uh, they're going to be probably an underdog to San Diego State at home. They'll be favored over NAU. Okay, At Oregon, they'll be 30-point dogs in Eugene. They'll be a dog to UCLA at home. They'll probably be a dog, well, depending on what the seasons look like at that point. When they go up to Boulder, that might be a toss-up. You know, if Arizona's got a couple of wins under their belt, if they beat, you know, BYU, and if, you know, if, they're, if Arizona's, you know, 2-3 and three or 3-2 three and two or something like that heading into that Colorado game, you, you may look at a situation where Arizona's a visiting favorite, and that would, be, that would be very, very strange. But as of right now, they're dogs in 11 of their 12 games. The only game they're a favorite in is NAU. So it's easy to say. Like, I, I, always, I always argue this. Like, people say, oh, Alabama has the hardest schedule in college football this year. And I'm like, no, they don't. They're going to be favorited in every single game. How does that? How does that make it the most difficult schedule in college football? They're favored in every game. They're favored by two touchdowns in every game. It's not a tough schedule. That's just Alabama being Alabama. So we'll come back with that in hour number two. We'll talk about that as uh, we'll break Arizona's schedule down into blocks of four. See if. We can find some more wins for the Wildcats this season. Also, we'll talk some more NFL news and notes in hour number two, as well as give away some tickets to go see FC Tucson and some horrible, horrible, ugly news out of NASCAR. That's all coming up in hour number two. Stay tuned. We'll be right back here on the Jeff Dean Show, 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. 